0: father we would ask that you would give us insight into your word we know that there are changes on the horizon big changes and we know that they have to take place before the end time comes to fruition and we know that you can provide for us all the wisdom we need we are children of the light we do not dwell in darkness and you told us to be alert and be watchful of these things which are out there and we know that we can trust in your word being true because it it has proven itself over the centuries, and you are true, and you are truthful. So, Father, invest that in us as we get into your word. Use it to mold us into the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just a little bit of review. We were in First Corinthians chapter 4, and we were going through the rapture in verses 13 through 18. I may read a little bit from there, but just... Uh, Some of the arguments against the rapture, and there are several different views on that. There are six, actually, different views on the rapture. One is there is no rapture. That's number one. People believe, nah, there's no rapture. It's not going to happen that way. God will come back and it'll be just the way it uh, should be from creation. Other people believe, nah, it's just going to continue like this forever. So that is one view. There is no rapture. Then the rapture takes place before the tribulation starts. That's the view that I hold to. Then there's a the view that the rapture takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, the seven-year tribulation. The first half is called The tribulation, the second half is called, the great tribulation. Then there's the view that uh, there is the pre-wrath rapture, which gets about five and a half years into the seven-year tribulation period. And they separate that on when the seals are broken in the book of Revelation chapter 6. I hold to that the breaking of the first seal is at the beginning of the tribulation. Those who are the pre-wrath view do not hold that. They say that the seals begin at the midpoint of the tribulation, and from that, the wrath of God is at about the five-and-a-half-year mark, and that's when god takes us because we are not exempt from the wrath of satan and they separate the wrath of satan from the wrath of god but when you open the seals especially when you get to chapter six and you get to the sixth seal the people recognize that that is the wrath of god and if you begin at the beginning where the white horse is released then that is the beginning of the seven-year tribulation and i'll explain a little bit more about that just so you have it by the way Every time I go over this, I solidify another thought about the rapture in my mind. And it it just takes a long time to do it. And you might say, well, yeah... You know, you talk about the rapture a lot, and the yeah, it's our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, Titus 2.13. That's what we're supposed to focus on. Remember, about one third of the Bible is prophetic, and so we want to focus on that. That that is the place that we focus on as far as where we're going, what's going to happen, and with all the changes taking place, it gives us a little bit of security. Now, the word rapture in uh Our Bible, people say it's not there in the Bible. Well, it is. It's in the Latin Vulgate. I covered this for you before. And the actual word meaning in the Greek means to just snatch away. And that's a word that we use for the rapture. And people like to say the word rapture is not there. They're just not informed when the scripture says that. And also it has been taught that the rapture was never part of the early church. And I'm going to give you strong evidence that it was even up to the fourth century they were talking about that, and I'll cover again in review why um, it wasn't really talked about after the fourth century and all the way until the nineteenth, late nineteenth, twentieth centuries. <clears throat> now, scriptures relating to the rapture, I've read them before to you. I'm just going to give them to you again. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 54. John chapter fourteen verses one through three that 's the in my father 's house There are many mansions isaiah chapter twenty six verses nineteen through twenty one and that talks about the wedding ceremony. Go and hide yourself in my chambers until his wrath has passed by that's is in that particular passage first Thessalonians chapter four verses thirteen through eighteen and that 's where we had left off last, last time so The rapture, again, I'm dealing with some objections to the rapture, but the rapture is different than the second coming. And some people confuse the two. They put them together and they say, no, they're the same thing. But they are not. The rapture is not the same as the second coming. I have 13 things here, 13 differences between the rapture and the second coming. Number one, the rapture or the transformation of all believers is what takes place. That's number one, the transformation of all believers. So anyone who is a Christian, who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, will be transformed, and it is only the believers. Now, with the second coming, there is no transformation at all. It's just Jesus comes back. Number two, the translated saints go to heaven as opposed to the second coming, the translated saints return to earth. We come back to earth. But number three, the earth is not judged at the rapture. But at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the earth is judged and righteousness is established. Number four, the rapture is imminent any moment. It is signless, it can take place even before I'm done with a message. Lord willing, that would happen. But the second coming, all kinds of signs and wonders and tragedies and disasters take place before the second coming. And these things are all spelled out in Scripture. Uh, Number five, the rapture is not in the Old Testament. And number five for the coming, uh, the second coming, it's predicted often in the Old Testament, that God is going to come back. Of course, we know in the person of Jesus Christ and establish his kingdom. Number six, it is for believers only. That's who's affected in the rapture. And number six, for the uh, second coming. Everyone is affected at the second coming, believers and non-believers. Number seven, it is uh, before the day of wrath at the Rapture takes place. Even those who are pre-wrath hold to that, that we are not suffering under the wrath of God. And number seven, under the second coming, it is concluding the day of wrath. The day of wrath is ending when Jesus comes back. Number eight, there is no reference to Satan when it comes to the rapture of the church, but when it comes to the second coming, that is when Satan is bound for a thousand years. Number nine, Christ comes for his own at the rapture, and at the second coming, Christ comes with his own. We come back with him to the earth. And that's when he steps on the Mount of Olives. Uh, number 10, he comes in the air or the atmosphere, and then we go to heaven. And number 10 for the second coming, he comes to the earth and he establishes his reign here on the earth and in Jerusalem number 11 he comes to claim his bride and we're called the bride of Christ of course this is referring to Ephesians chapter 5 and when he comes back he comes with his bride so one he claims his bride takes his bride to be with him the other him comes back with his bride number 12 only his own will see him in the clouds when he comes back to earth the whole world will see him I try to envision what this is going to be like, but I think it's like the birth in Bethlehem where the angels uh, appeared to the shepherds in the field. The, The heavens just opened. And I think it's going to be like that. Where the heavens are just going to open, this huge bright light is going to shine towards the earth, and he's going to ride on his white horse, and he's going to encircle the earth, and everybody will go, What is that going across? And all of a sudden, you'll see all the saints behind him and the angels. It's going to be a frightening experience when that happens. And then, number 13, when the rapture takes place, after that, the tribulation begins. When the second coming takes place, the millennial kingdom begins. And so those are 13 differences between the rapture of the church and the second coming. Now, I want to explain a little bit more about the the tribulation period that is going to take place. We have in chapter 6, you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You also have those who are martyred under the throne in the breaking of the fifth seal. And on the sixth seal, when that is broken, there are signs in the heavens and disasters and all of those things. So you have the rider on the white horse. Some people mistakenly believe, and I, I read this again this morning, that the rider on the white horse is Jesus. He's bent on conquest. He is a man of peace. And when he, we know when he comes back, he is going to rule with an iron rod. And we are uh, specifically instructed about that when he does come back and he will not give the nations any leeway whatsoever. And I believe that the rider on this white horse is the Antichrist. And I think it's good scholarship. I've read several people on this and, and there's no doubt in my mind that's who it is because the other three horsemen They're all doing bad things. And so it makes sense, especially, and that's just one of the reasons why the rider on the white horse is the Antichrist. The rider on the red horse, he brings war. Now, wars will happen. That's a sign of the birth pains for the earth, that there's going to be earthquakes and there's going to be famines and there's going to be wars and national rise against nation. And those are only the beginning of the birth pains. But this particular horse will bring war over the entire earth, and it 's going to be bad, and then the black horse comes, which is famine that 's at the breaking of the third seal and After war, there is always famine you don 't have the food, people starve and then there 's the rider of the pale horse, the pale horse it 's more of a, a greenish tint uh, to this horse, if you go to the original language, and he brings forth death. Then the fifth seal, you have the martyred saints who are under the throne saying, how long before you avenge us? And he, and God tells him, just give me a little time. It's going to happen. That is also repeated in Revelation chapter 20, verse four. And then at the breaking of the sixth seal, you have a great earthquake. You have the sun darkened. The moon turns red. Meteors hit the earth. Islands are removed. It's a terrible time on the earth. Now this is parallel with the account in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew, the first thing you have is false Christ. In the seals, in the book of Revelation chapter 6, you have the ultimate antichrist. In Matthew, you have wars and rumors of wars. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 6 and 7, you have the red horse delivered in the book of Revelation, chapter 6. Then you have the black horse, which lines up to uh, Matthew, chapter 24, verse 7, which deals with famine. You see how it's, it's just falling in line the same way? The outline in Matthew and also in Luke is the same, just as the book of Revelation, chapter 6. Then you have the plagues in Luke 24, 7 and Luke twenty-one, eleven. The plagues will come, and that it comports with the Hail! excuse me, the the black horse. And then there are the persecutions and martyrdom in chapter 24 verses 9 through 10. You have the terrors of great cosmic signs. And of course, that's the sixth seal uh, that is broken that is listed in Luke chapter 21. And then there's worldwide evangelism and that goes into chapter 7 with 144,000. You can actually line these up together and you can see Book of Revelation, Book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, Gospel of Luke. It's all in the same order what is going to take place. Now remember when the sixth seal is broken, people recognize it's the wrath of the Lamb. Well, the wrath of the Lamb, it is the Lamb who is bringing the wrath. Remember, there's silence in heaven for about a half hour before they found anybody worthy to open the scroll. And when Jesus came and opened the scroll, he's the one that introduces the wrath. He is the one that introduces the Antichrist. Now, something interesting about this, if you go back to Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9 is prophetic when it comes to the end times. It's the 70th week of Daniel. You can read all about that. But who makes the peace treaty with Israel? It is the Antichrist. How is it that the Antichrist is able to make the peace treaty with Israel? The only conclusion you can come to is he's already the preeminent world leader. And you think, well, wait, if the first seal is broken, which brings the Antichrist, the Antichrist makes a treaty with the nation of israel and that begins the seven-year tribulation there's going to be a time frame between the rapture of the church and when the antichrist comes to power before the tribulation begins he's going to be on the scene and you won't be able to recognize him until now i need to say this the church is going to be gone in the rapture because we're going to avoid the wrath of the lamb which is spelled out in revelation chapter six when it gets to the sixth seal it's the wrath of the lamb already but the antichrist is here and so there is an interval between the rapture and when the antichrist shows up and he's the one bent on conquest because he has no arrows many scholars believe that He's not going to use armaments. He's not going to use missiles. He's not going to use tanks. He's not going to use planes. He's going to be a masterful politician. He will just simply be able to say what he wants, and everybody's going to go, here, here, oh, what a man he is. And, of course, people will call him a god eventually, especially when he stands in the temple at the center of the tribulation. So you you follow me here? I know that... I'm, I'm just dumping the whole load and I want to make sure you guys kind of understand the timeline So, and I keep on going from my left to your right but for you guys it's from my right to your left so you have the rapture of the church you have an interval of time where the antichrist arises, he's on the scene and that guy makes a peace deal with the nation of Israel For those who have their scriptures, they will know that's the Antichrist. But for the Jews, they won't recognize him as the Antichrist until the middle of the tribulation because he will allow them to rebuild the temple. So you see how this timeline goes? Now what's that interval between the rapture and when this guy comes to power? How fast did things change over the last two years? I would say it'd be... Many months, maybe a couple of years. That's just my estimation. I have no idea. It could be 10 years. I don't know. But it, just in my way of thinking, it's not going to be that long. I think he's going to implement change. And God tells us to be alert. And that's why we look at what's going on in the world. All the technology that's out there, all the biology, which is out there, all, all the physical, um, uh, what do they call it, cloning and things like that that are taking place in medical industry and all of those things coming together. We know that that is being ushered in like a freight train. Now, I'm going to give you a little parenthetical thought here. My daughter, we, we have a nine-and-a-half-month-old grandson. The guy is just a little live wire. He wants to walk and he gets upset if he can't walk and you gotta walk him around and he sits there and looks up at you as you're walking him, you know. It's just a lot of fun. And he's at the point where he's going to be weaned. But he's not quite there yet. He's almost there. Guess what we spent the last week doing? Looking for formula. And we figured we probably need about 12 cans. I think we're almost there of formula. There's no formula anywhere. And and so I've been searching. My wife has been searching. My daughter's been searching. My son-in-law's been searching. We're all searching for this. We got together as a family this last uh, Friday. And we're all talking about, okay, we need to find a little more formula, you know, for this little guy. Make sure he's okay because he's making the transition. Why is there a shortage of formula? You ever think about that? You know, there's shortages of several different things, but formula, why is there formula? And you do a little research, and guess who's funding artificial breast milk research? Bill Gates, he's one. And there's other billionaires that are funding this. You know, same thing with beef. They want to cut the beef. They've stopped the fertilizer shipments for the grain, and the grain is used to feed the cattle. And there's going to be a a dearth, a, a... Beef is going to go up in price. There's not going to be enough of it. You know who's buying up all the farmland? Bill Gates. He's buying up... He's the largest landowner in the United States. At farmland. He's bought it all up. And he's making what? Artificial beef. And you go, this can't be like conspiratorial. I don't know. I'm just telling you... This is what's out there. And so there's this move to get us where we need to go. We are are being pushed. It's not like, come on, come this way. You might see signs of that, but it's happening to us whether we like it or not. And, And so all of these things are pushing us towards the world being set up for the advent of the Antichrist. And there's other things. And you've heard me talk about a lot of these things that are there but I'll get into those just a little bit more but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18 there's a few things here it says uh, for those who have no hope they don't believe in Jesus Christ they're not going in the rapture verse 15 says and we tell you that we who are still alive who are left to the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep which means those who have died in Christ part of the church are going to be raptured first and then we who are alive Uh, I don't know how this is going to take place I don't know if we're going to actually see graves bust open, like explode, and then, you know, they're going right up. I don't know if it's going to happen like that. Or if the body dematerializes and materializes and I have no idea. I do know we're here one second and gone in the blink of an eye. That's how quickly it's going to happen. And we're going to be out of there or out of here. So that's what, uh uh-oh, unfortunately... What? something has stopped here. Okay, there we go. I'm back on. And and so this day is coming, and it's going to be ushered in with a loud command, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And, And then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That's what the scripture says. Now, this is called a day, the day of the rapture. Now, remember, I talked to you about the day, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord can be either a 24-hour period or it can be a period of time. Like, for instance, a 24-hour day can be called a day. A 12-hour day can be called a day. Back in my day can be called a day. And that's not a 24-hour day. You catch all that? And so this day can be long or it can be short Uh, I believe it was a 24-hour day in creation. I just hold to that. A lot of people disagree with that. It's okay. We'll find out when we get up there. It doesn't matter right now. But this idea of a day, we're looking forward to the day of our redemption. Now, that is a nebulous term. That day is going to be included not only in a 24-hour day, but a long period of time. Now, I also covered for you, and I'll digress to that again in a second. But... Remember, there's four things that have to happen before the day of the Lord, that period of time. Now, it can be a 24-hour day that it's referring to here, or it can be a long period of time. <clears throat> Elijah must come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. That's number one thing. Remember I told you this? Number two, a rebellion has to occur, Second Thessalonians 2, 3, for that day will not come before... Uh, or until the rebellion occurs. That means a falling away or the apostasy. Many people will leave God. And then the man of lawlessness has to be revealed before that day. And that's when he makes the peace treaty. And for those who have the scriptures during that time, because all the Christians have left... The 144,000 are going to be here. They're going to be evangelists. And they will probably say, this is the guy. This is the Antichrist who made the treaty with the nation of Israel. And then all of Israel will say, this is the guy. This is the Antichrist. Because they'll have the scriptures at that point. So he has to be revealed before the day of the Lord starts to begin. And then the sun will be darkened and the moon will be turned to blood. Joel chapter 2, verse 31, before the coming and great and dreadful day of the Lord. So all those things are going to happen before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, problems arise over a disagreement of when the tribulation begins and when the wrath of God begins. Now, I told you I'd come back to this. It is my belief, and belief of I'm standing well behind good scholars who have gone through this. The tribulation begins at the breaking of the first seal. It doesn't begin at the midpoint of the tribulation. And if you remember nothing else, just remember that. Because the Antichrist is released at the first seal. He is the one that's on the scene. That's when the tribulation begins. Now, we know in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, we're moving on. We covered to verse 3 last time, but we'll just review this. Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know that very well... That the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That means just suddenly, unexpectedly, it will come. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So labor pains of a pregnant woman, <clears throat> I've gone through this a couple of times with my wife. Uh, the first one hits, she goes, hmm. okay, and it's done. And then the next one comes, and it's gripping my wrist a little tighter, finger marks into the skin. Yeah, it's better. And, of course, we know how it goes. It, it gets much, much worse, and they become closer together and closer together. And, and so that's how the day of the Lord is going to come. The first one, I think it'll, something will happen. It, it could be tsunami, signs in the heavens, war. Something's going to happen where we're going to go, wow, oh, that, that one hurt but then it's going to just get progressively worse and worse and worse. And so that's, that's how the the day of the Lord, the 24-hour period, is it a specific day that has to show up or is it a, a long period of time? I have a tendency to think it's a long period of time that we're looking at this day of the Lord. And I do believe that uh, believers will avoid the wrath of God as well. Now, we've covered this in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 it says who jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath and god did not appoint us to suffer wrath first thessalonians 5 9 that we'll get to revelation chapter 3 verse 10 says i will also keep you from the hour of trial when jesus was talking to the churches and noah escaped the wrath of god and remember abraham bargained with god to save sodom and gomorrah you will not condemn the righteous with the wicked and lot was able to get out of town he was saved from the wrath of god that is a common theme that goes through scripture we are not under god's wrath as the church the rest of humanity is under god's wrath and those people who like to separate the wrath of satan from the wrath of god god uses satan to perform his wrath and so it's like us sometimes we think we're acting autonomously but god moves us he sets us in a direction do you think you're married to somebody by accident? Oh, no. That's the person you're supposed to be married to. You have kids. Those kids, their names were written in the book of life. And if you didn't give birth to them, how would they get here? And God determined that you would be born a particular time, particular place, particular parents. And how all that works out, I haven't a clue how it works out. But he directs all of those things and he uses Satan for his own purposes, even when it comes to wrath. We also know, and I want to remind you of this, that as in the days of Noah, what was in the land there was violence in the land in the days of Noah and it was corrupt what government agency is not corrupt can you think of one the agency of non-corruptness is there something like... There isn't one that is out there. And through the entire world... I just saw a video, there riots in Sri Lanka because this one particular journalist was trying to cover over what the government was doing and they were beating up on him and they're in the streets and they're rioting away and you know, just... There's corruption all around the world and there are people that are sending themselves up as the leaders and everybody else will be a serf. And for everybody to be a serf, they have to take away your wealth. They have to take away your possessions. And that's what the WEF, World Economic Forum, that's what they want to do. And I think that they'll eventually accomplish it. Hopefully we'll be out of here before then. So, and, and also I want to remind you why the wrath of God is coming. It's because of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry in first, or excuse me, in Colossians chapter three, verses f, uh, five and six. That's why the wrath of God is coming. It's because of sin. Now, why I believe the rapture will happen before the tribulation begins? First, the Antichrist is the one who makes a treaty with Israel. Remember, he's already here. Now, I don't mean here today. He could be. Probably is. But he's going to be here before the treaty, which means he's going to be acting. He's going to be making conquest by political means. And before he can be revealed, the church has to be taken out of the way. Now, why do I believe that? In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Specifically in verse 7 it says for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he singular masculine pronoun he is taken out of the way. I believe this in other scholars much more advanced than I am they're saying the same thing that this is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit where does the Holy Spirit dwell in the church. Take the church out. You are the ones. It's just like Pat said. We need to vote to make the changes. We are the ones that are resisting the evil in this world. Take us out. What happens? The evil progresses. The Antichrist comes forth. The rapture has to happen before he is brought forth and is able to make the treaty. And he has to be around for at least a few years, I would think, in order to make this happen. And... I just mentioned the Antichrist will be released at the breaking of the first seal in the book of Revelation. And and with all of that, if, you, if you're keeping track, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but the countries that are involved in the Gog Magog invasion, you know, you're watching what's going on with Russia and they seem to be pretty inept with what's going on. But there are other countries involved with them. Turkey and Iran, those are the big players. And we know that Iran, if they don't have nuclear weapons already, and I've been talking about this since 2010, and I think that they probably have them. Israel knows if they have them or not. They've been blocking the way for them to get them. But the other countries, Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Moldova, Moldova, uh, Belarus, Bulgaria, Ukraine, all of those are involved in the invasion of Israel as well. And if, if you just watch the politics of what's going on there, guess what Russia just said? They said, uh, guess who's next? Poland. They want to go after Poland now because they are helping Ukraine. And it's like... I think it says that in scripture, that they're part of this. You know, will it happen in our lifetime? Will it not? I don't know. It just says that those are the countries that are going to be involved. Now, historical references. I I really want, this is going to be a little more difficult, but I want you to pay attention to this because one of the main arguments of those who say that there is not a rapture is they say it was never taught in history. And there is a website. You can go to the website. It's pre trib pre org. you can go there and they have a PDF a bunch of PDF files you can go through and you can see from history just a few of the historical figures in the church that said we're not going through the tribulation all the way up to the 4th century now the 4th century would be in the 300s and that's how it works now Hermes or the shepherd of Hermes now I have this on the bookshelf you can read it for yourself it's free it's online and this is one of the quotes here from it it's in Hermes vision 4 chapter 2 and I have two quotes I'm just going to pull out it says you have escaped from the great tribulation on account of your faith now this is not the bible this is outside the bible and the shepherd of Hermes, who he is, some people speculate as to who he is, but this is what he's writing. He also says, It will be possible for you to escape it. So he's the first one, and he comes at the end of the first century, the beginning of the second century. He was a contemporary of Clement of Rome. Clement was a disciple, I gotta get this straight. I think he was a disciple of Polycarp, who was a disciple of John. And th- so this progression goes through. Now, Irenaeus, Irenaeus, he lived from 130 to 202, and he wrote this. And therefore, when in the end the church shall be suddenly caught up from this, it is said there shall be tribulation such as not been since the beginning, nor shall be. And so this guy is in the second century as well, first to second century. Then there's Cyprian in the letters of Cyprian. He wrote in treatise number seven and he lived from 200 to 258 AD. This is what he wrote in Cyprian 7.25. It says, and do you not give God thanks? Do you not congratulate yourself that by an earlier departure you are taken away and delivered from the shipwrecks and disasters that are imminent? He's talking about, in context, the tribulation. Eusebius, here's another guy. Eusebius, he died in 340 AD. He wrote this, says, all the righteous and godly are to be separated from the ungodly and gathered into the heavenly ark of God, referring to the tribulation. And then Ephraim, the Syrian, he lived 373 A.D. He wrote, For all the saints and elect of God are gathered prior to the tribulation, that is, to come, and are taken to the Lord lest they see the confusion, that is, to overwhelm the world because of our sins. He also wrote this. He has several other quotes. Blessed is he who unceasingly remembers the fear of Gehenna and hastens to sincerely repent for he shall be delivered from the great tribulation. Uh, He also wrote this, the righteous shall be seized up in the clouds to meet him. He also wrote this, watch always, pray continually that you may be worthy to escape the tribulation. He also wrote this, count us worthy, Lord, of the rapture of the righteous and this final one, Take us out from the coming fear and count us worthy of that rapture, snatching away when the righteous are raptured or snatched in the clouds to the air to meet the king of glory. There are more. This this is just a few here that I've given you. It has been a doctrine in the early church. It was suppressed because Augustine came to be a leader in the church and anybody that taught against Augustine was put to death. And so are you going to stop teaching about it? I think so. And that happened up until the early 20th century, until the Derby conferences and a few other things that took place. So verse 4, it, back in First Thessalonians. Chapter 4, but you brothers are not in darkness that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-control. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Now I'll probably have to end on this here. But he's using metaphorical language. He's talking about light. He's talking about darkness, he's talking about the day, he's talking about those who are asleep. Now, this day it is a period of time or a season. It's not like the day light, the physical daylight. He's talking about the light. For instance, Luke chapter 16 verse 8 says, "We are the people of the light." He also says in Ephesians 5, 9, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And so when he talks about us being people of the light or being in the light, we're those who hold to goodness, righteousness, and truth as spelled out in the scripture. And then there are those who are asleep, who are in darkness, who act like those who drink at night. They are unaware of what's taking place. And all he's saying is, Be alert, since you belong to God, you understand everything that is transpiring and what is going to lead up to the advent of the Antichrist. You can see it right in front of you, where those who are in the world, they cannot see it, and they hold to their own truth, they don't hold to the truth of the scriptures. That's why you see this polarization going on, where you have the children of the light, who are on my right-hand side, and children of of the darkness who are on my left-hand side. And that's appropriate. You know, children of the light are right. Children on the left are wrong. And, and so we want to make sure we're the children of the light and we're in fellowship, we're alert, we're paying attention to what's going on. And this will not overtake us like a thief in the night. It will not attack us suddenly. We'll say, oh, there's the sign right there. A couple of things. You know, there's a company right now. You, you, I think I showed this to you a couple of years ago. This company in Sweden, they're putting a chip in the hand so that you can open doors and buy from the little store that they have there in the company. Well, now there is a company. You can get that to go to the stores that have the readers. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a uh, mobile gas station up on Las Cochas, and it changed to something else. And then I think the one over at uh, Lake Jennings, it changed to mobile. On their pumps, they have this little square, and you can hold your smart card up to it. And it will read your card and that's all you have to do. I used to carry around this little fob, little tiny thing and I'd hold it up and it would just, okay, I'm good to go. They're putting it in the hand. They're marketing it right now where you can just go beep beep and you walk away and you pump up the gas. This is something you can get today if you want to and you can start using it. Now, what does that lead to? You see, we're, we're going, well, wait a second. That's like the mark of the bee stuff. Yeah, it, it kind of is the mark of the bee stuff. And there's so much more on this that I'll get to next week. But I mean, it's right here at the door, and they're pushing us to that. You won't believe one of the guy, major guys who's pushing it is a professor at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And you're going, wait a second, the Jewish people are promoting this, a scholar in Israel? Yeah, because they're going to accept the Antichrist as the Christ. And, and they're going to be deceived up until the point of abomination and desolation. And I can't wait to get into him next week. But for the time being, they just know the rapture takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. I've given you the evidence for that. Now, there, I think there are some good arguments, but really some poor arguments on the other side for the other views. And that's why I hold to the view I can. And it's a deep dive. If you want to go into it, you can spend a week just reading all the material out there. And I would encourage you to do so. But it is our blessed hope, the rapture of the church. And I pray that not only all of us in here, but all of those people we know, our family members, they would understand what the rapture of the church is. So let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the understanding you have provided for us, the historical Uh, references that we have available to us knowing that this is a real event that has been taught throughout the centuries in the church we would ask that you would help it help us to codify it in our mind to where we could easily explain it to somebody who wants to know who wants to escape the coming wrath whether we perish before this begins or lord we see the fruition of it and we are taken as we are alive in the rapture I, i pray that you would help us to communicate it before either our death or for the rapture uh, so that people may know so that people may accept you as their lord and savior so they may be able to avoid the judgment to come we ask that you would work this work in us in jesus name of the church sin amen please stand